as you know, Jeff is in Florida right now for a podcast convention. So what we're going to do for the next couple days is we're going to play some episodes that we recorded months ago when we were first starting out and starting to work together. Today on The Upside, we're going to be talking about Jeff's favorite day ever, which I think is super weird. (laughs) We're also going to be talking about a project in my neighborhood that I am taking on. Jeff thinks I'm weird for that one. And we're going to be talking about only children. Living in gratitude, finding the positive in every experience, and helping other people do the same. You are now part of the movement. Welcome to the Upside Podcast with Callie and Jeff. I think today might be my favorite day of the week, and I'm guessing you don't even know why. As in, like, the day of the week, or as, like, this specific day is the best day ever? No, 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 the day of the week. It happens every single week on the same day, and I love it. Oh, I have no idea. And today was doubly awesome. It's trash day, and I have noticed that I thoroughly enjoy getting stuff out of the house. Oh, my God. Like... (laughs) Filling up bags, right, and putting them in the container and then having somebody come and take stuff away is so refreshing to me. It's Uh, like a purge that happens on the reg. I, first of all, did you just say on the reg? I did. (laughs) Second of all, uh, I'm so glad that you love this because I hate it. And you know, what's like one of the first things I told you about me, like our first month dating? What did I say? Well, you hate handling the garbage. You hate taking it out and bagging it up and moving it from one place to another. Yeah, all of it. I just don't like trash. But you do enjoy a good purge. I do like a good purge, but it's different because that's like a clean purge and there are clean things that I'm purging and putting into things like trash is just gross. Nope. A purge is a purge. And so removing stuff from the house and watching it drive away to wherever it goes, the the dump or the recycling plant or wherever it goes makes me happy. That so, is so weird. I know. And I've only realized it over the past few weeks. Because now we have a house and before we've just had apartments. So every day was trash day because we were doing the little valet trash thing and we just put our trash in the thing and it went right outside our door. And then it was it was like an everyday thing. But now this is like a special, a very special one day a week that yep. the trash I'm like, comes. I'm like, it's all gone. Bye. Bye. And I watch it leave. And today was doubly good because I also... And I don't know if you noticed that I was doing this when you left the house to go for your workout, but today I also did an email purge. Oh, yeah, you needed to do that for sure. Right. So I went through my email and deleted everything that was like, not spammy, but bulky. Like I get an update every day on my Instagram account. Like how many- Do you read that every day? I just look at the numbers and see if I- posted the day before and how many likes or uh, followers that I have and if it went up or down, just like a cursory glance. Mm-hmm. But I never delete it. So it, so it just sits in my inbox and then I'll open it up and I'll have like 236 emails. So what I do is I search this. I mean, I can't put into words how good this feels. I search by keyword, right? And then I delete in bulk. Like I get like seen. what kind of keyword? I don't even understand what that means. What do you mean you search a key for a key? What keyword? 
Like, for example, I get the CNN breaking news alerts. So I read them, but I don't delete them right away. So then when I notice that I've got a ton of emails, I will put in the search bar CNN breaking news, and then it'll like 14 things will pop up that are all in my inbox. So I select them all and I delete them all. So would it give you the same gratification if you deleted them as they came in or you need them to bulk up so you can feel like you did something, like you're the superhero of your own email box or something? In an ideal world, I would delete them when they came in, right? That's the better way to handle it. Right. And it just, there's one, all you have to do is one, you just press one thing. You just press the trash can. Right. But I don't do that. I and then so but it feels so almost exhilarating to have the ability to do it all at once. So I don't do it intentionally, but when it does happen, man, it feels good. But you know what's funny? As someone who struggles with anxiety, meaning me and you both, I wonder if it's like subconsciously hanging over your head that every day you have 285 emails because it seems like you have 285 things to deal with. I there's no doubt in my mind that some of my anxiety is self-induced. Why do you do that? I don't know. You know, people are always like, oh, look at Jeff. He's over there. He's always on his phone. I'm not on my phone, like, reading Twitter. I'm usually on my phone trying to figure out who just text messaged me using context clues from the conversation because I don't save any numbers. Yeah, that's the other weird thing. I feel like this is kind of a psychological issue. Like, I feel like maybe this is something you take into therapy with you. Jeff, this drives me nuts. Jeff will get a text from someone. Just the other day, it's someone that's been helping us with this podcast, and she's very important, and she's been in our life for a while, and he's like, hey, is this Kate? I'm like, uh, yeah, that is Kate, and you know her, and you had lunch with her last week. Like, why is her name not in your phone? He's like, oh, I didn't save it. It's kind of fun to guess who it is. I'm like, that takes 30 minutes out of your day to guess who you're talking to, and... As someone that doesn't like to take that kind of time and you pride yourself on efficiency, I am surprised at this acknowledgement. I know. Well, somebody like Kate, you only have to scroll back two screens and then say, oh, what time are we meeting for lunch? Where are we meeting? Blah, blah, blah. And then boom, it's in my head. The tricky ones are conversations from like over a year ago. Well, and the funny thing about those are, and this was more of a problem when we started to date, but he would get texts from these random girls and have no clue who they were. They still come in from time to time, like women that I was either friends with or or, or even dated like five years ago when something significant happens. Like I had this, I thought this was weird. I got messages from, they're not even girlfriends, but women that I went on dates with congratulating us on our engagement. Yeah, that's a little weird. (laughs) But you don't know who they are, so you don't know. Like, oh, is it weird because it's the girl I know once that's, like, crazy? Or is it the girl that I, like, kind of went on a date with, realized we were friends, and we tweet each other every week? Like, you don't know who it is, so you have no idea how weird it is. So then I have to scroll back and see, like, oh, okay. Oh, Oh, we went to Hobnob in Midtown. Okay. All right. And then after that, we went, okay, her friend had a birthday party at a bowling alley. I have no idea. And then I just write back a generic, thank you so much. Hope you're doing well. And I cross my fingers that whoever it is, ex-date person or associate or whoever it might be, uh, doesn't ask me something that I would have to remember who they are to answer. Now, my phone is the complete opposite because I cannot have a first name only in my phone. 
there has to be a first name and last name. And if I should know, like I will go to the ends of the earth to figure out someone's first and last name just so I can put it in my phone that way. And if there's like a space after the first name and it saves in your phone weird and there's like an awkward double space and not it. Oh, like, that's oh my worst. gosh, I hate that. Um, yeah, I hate that. Yes. Like, why are we still? I don't even know why phones still do that. Like, what year is it? Like, we should all know we're not intentionally putting a like, it's not Jeff Space. Like, that's not a name. The other thing that I think phones should be able to do is when you get a call from an unknown number or a number that's not in your phone, the phone should real quick Google it and then show you like the top five search results. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, it does if it's someone like kind of in your realm, like it'll say like maybe Rachel. Right. But I'm talking about um, like GoDaddy customer service has uh, like every six months they call and say, hey, are your domains up to date or whatever? And I, it's not saved in my phone because I think it's a different number every time. Right. But I never answer it. I immediately Google it. Then it says, oh, it's GoDaddy. And sometimes they offer a discount. So if I have to renew something, I'll call them back. But if it, they just Googled it and it just appeared, then I wouldn't have to worry about that. Oh, there you go, Apple. Your next brilliant idea from Jeff Dollar. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Send me a check. You know where to find me, Sandy Springs, Georgia. Appreciate you. Thank you. I went down one of my Google rabbit holes today, <laughs> like real far down. You mean like researching somebody or a place or a thing or a whatever? Yeah. And Jeff knows this about me. Like we will be, you know, on the beach somewhere and I'll see a yacht and I'm like, you know what? I don't know what it takes to work on a yacht. And like two hours later, Jeff will look over and be like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm reading a book on how yachts were invented and then how like the first captain of a yacht ever. And Jeff's like, what are you talking about? That's the lamest version of what you do you could have possibly told. That's true. What Callie means to say is, we'll move uh, into a neighborhood or like when we were in the apartment and somebody would move in next door to us and they would come and introduce themselves and be like, hi, my name is Shelly and I'm from Portland, Oregon and I came here to work for um, whatever, Delta Airlines. I'm in the marketing department. We're like, oh, hey, nice to meet you, blah, blah, blah. And they walk away. 16 minutes later, Callie's like, oh, that's Shelly. She's engaged to a guy named Brad. He also works for Delta. He's moving here in four weeks. She um, registered at Bed Bath & Beyond and Target and Nordstrom. They're getting married on the 23rd. Her colors are, you know, taupe and blue. <laughs> and she has a dog named Scooter. Yeah, that's me. So I'm like, I go down these rabbit holes and I'm like, I just want to know. I know everything good good thing our neighbors don't know us like like we don't know. like you know them but i exactly like i'm ho i hope that our neighbors aren't going to hear this because then they'll know how creepy i am i know things about every single one of our surrounding neighbors every single one because i did a deep dive and, and then i couldn't stop but what i've been obsessed with lately and all it is a warning all it takes is one interesting thing about you like one tiny interesting thing like next door to us there's a house that nobody lives in but somebody comes and cares for gotta the yard know. every week and there's a light on in the living room yeah i gotta know so i have to know the story callie looks up the story of that house across the street from us a beautiful home that was very recently built with terrific uplighting Callie's like, who built that beautiful home last year? Single guy. I, I knew him. Yeah. No, I you know don't everything. know him. I know what he does for the most part. I just have to know. Okay. So I 
started walking in our neighborhood. We moved into this house and there are sidewalks. It's a beautiful neighborhood. And one of my new favorite things to do is to walk around our neighborhood. And it is probably what, three miles from my parents' house. I mean, I've grown up in this neighborhood and not noticed little things about it before. And I come across like a month ago, this cemetery, and it's so beautiful, but there's a sign there and it basically says, if you have family here, you're responsible for the upkeep of this place. Like it's not maintained. So I see this kind of like plot and realize that there's ivy overgrown completely over someone's family plot. And it's really sad. And I came home that day and I was like, Jeff, I, we need to go clean that. Like we need to clean up the cemetery. Like it's, it's the only plot in the cemetery that is, uh, surrounded by a wrought iron fence. fence. Like it's, it's obviously whoever lives there, dies there, whatever is buried there. Uh, has a little more means than the rest of the people because they've got they've got gate access. It's fancy, but it's completely overgrown in ivy and there's branches and there's leaves and all this stuff. So I was like, I am going, I'm going to go do something about that because I just feel like that's wrong. And I looped my friend Chrissy into going with me. I'm like, or I roped her and looped, roped, whatever. And I, so she comes with me and we are cleaning and we finally figure out the names of the people that, you know, we're spending eternity here or what we're, uh, I don't know. That opens a whole other can of worms. But um, we figure out who the names of these people are and then I can't stop thinking about them. And Chrissy's making up all these stories about them. I'm like, I'm gonna look. Um, so through the power of the internet, we find not very much. And I have been deep diving literally all day to figure out who these people are. Is and it what a couple is. or is it a family or who is it? It's a couple. It's a husband and a wife. And his wife, there's just nothing hardly on her. Like, she's on the census twice, but, and she's from Missouri, and that's pretty much all I knew. I even but signed up is- for Ancestry.com today just so I could look at it. So, by the way, there's going to be a charge for 1999 at the end of the month <laughs> because I not, had to join. Not for my family or yours, but for Anna's family. For Anna and George. Anna and George. Now, they died in the 1800s, right? No, they died. One of them died in, it's sad that I know this, 19. 19- 47 and the other died in 1951 okay so i mean it was like 60 years ago back when women didn't really count the good old days (laughs) you know like when you didn't have to report who they were if they lived or died or whatever you did just you put them in the ground i mean it's kind of weird (laughs) but everybody else no i i feel like that was it was a little before that because someone messaged me today and said oh my gosh i was looking at the cemetery in my neighborhood and there actually are two are like family plots that say you know john farmer or whatever and then it's like all that's listed is not names it's daughter of john farmer wife of john farmer like there's no mention of the woman's name. that that this like she has a name she has a middle initial and then her husband's last name got it and what did you find out well, I found out actually through Instagram. Um, Carrie sent me an Instagram message and was like, hey, I also subscribe to this <laughs> site. It's like Ancestry, but then you get access to all these newspaper clippings too. It's like newspaper.com or something. Okay. And she's like, I found the announcement that George, like George's passing announcement. Like how we're all he, invested in these. How did he die? He died. It says, see, this is like. I don't know. You go, you go on vacation to the Dominican Republic and just have and some just start from drinking the, have from, some the from the mini bar. It sounds about like George. It says that he died after being in a sanatorium for two years. Oh, so he lost his mind. No, I don't think that's what it is. Because uh. I was then my deep dive took me to researching about the time and a lot. Uh, there was like tuberculosis and people would be in a sanatorium for that. 
Oh, so is that tuberculosis? Is that the iron lung one? I think so. It's something to do with your lungs. Like, and they like basically sent you to a hospital and isolated you forever. And so he died. Because you're probably super contagious and they didn't have antibiotics, the then. antibiotics or vaccines or whatever. Yeah. So, so poor George. All right. So what about Anna? Anna, there's really nothing about her. Um, he actually also worked for some iron company or textile company or something like that. And he actually made the first nail on the assembly line at that company, which is kind of cool. And then Anna, I don't know anything about her other than where she went to church. And it's this church going couple. They never had kids. They went to the church that used to sit on that plot of land for 25 years. And now I'm like, atta- I'm like, George, you don't have kids. Who's going to take care of you? Well, you and Chrissy are. Well, me and Chrissy have adopted uh, George and Anna now. So George and Anna are like, we've adopted them now. Where was the church on that land? Do you know? Is it where the park, that little park is? I don't know. And that's what's driving me crazy. I think so this, it's on a, it's on a corner and there's like a, um, a, local park and then right next to the park is park the cemetery. Is a, park is a generous word. It's like. It's, got a, it's a gazebo and a walking path. It's not even a walking path. Like you can cover it in 12 good strides. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, really small. It's a gazebo. A garden and two benches. I mean, it's tiny, but if it was a tiny church, it would fit there. Yeah. And I'm sure that the funny thing is, though, is I can't find anything about the church. It's just very, I'm going to have to subscribe to my second subscription of the day, which is at newspaper.com site. George and Anna are costing us a lot of money. Well, and this is just, these are just the first two graves we've cleaned. There's a whole graveyard. You're not going to do the whole graveyard. I thought you were just invested in George and Anna. Well, but there's other ones that need to be clean. Like some of them, there's children who whose graves are, I mean, neglected. And, you know, it's children. Like they deserve it too. Oh, I thought you were just getting it. So now you've adopted, this is your thing? You've adopted a cemetery? Uh, well, I don't know. And I'm like almost scared to say it because then when in my Google research, I realized how um, invested people are in keeping the cemetery like true to historical form and like not using. So now I'm scared I'm going to do something wrong and piss somebody off. Well, you're not. What are you going to do wrong? Well, there's all these like things that you can do wrong. Like there's disrespectful ways to clean moss off a thing, and I'm like, and certain things like you can use the wrong toothbrush to clean the, you know, algae off the thing, and then it disintegrates. And I don't know. The only thing you have to worry about is the ghost of George and Anna. They don't have any family. Chrissy was worried about that too, but I think they would be great, very grateful. Like you know, sure. He was a deacon at the church, and there's he no church. Yeah, there's. There's no church, and he has no children. So, George, I got you, buddy. I'm, I'm, that's, I'm all in. That's pro- if he was a deacon at the church, that's probably why there's the fence around it. Oh, you think so? I don't even know what a deacon is. VIP. <laughs> Do you know it's what like, a deacon is? Yes. No, it's you like don't. The, same thing. It's like the DJ at a club. Oh, my God. You don't even know. Jeff's Catholic, so he doesn't. you don't know what a deacon is. Yes, Catholics don't have he's deacons. He's like the marshmallow of, or the Avicii. He's like the Avicii of his church. I don't. I have no idea what you're talking about right now. You don't know who Avicii is. I know who Avicii is, but I don't know who Marshmallow is. I don't know who Marshmallow is. The song "Happier" with Bastille. (laughs) Okay, I literally thought you were talking, making a food reference. No, which wouldn't have even made sense because Jeff hates marshmallows. Marshmallow is a DJ. (laughs) Okay, definitely did not know that. When I was walking, because I walked by, I walked. uh, I do the walking thing too that uh, Callie does, and I was walking home from the cemetery today, and I was thinking about, um, I don't know what it would be called, like the 
the marketing materials or the stuff for this for this podcast for this upside stuff, right? And I was trying to remember how you and I started gratitude. I remember so clearly. You do? Yeah. All I remember is before we had gratitude journals, we would leave notes for each other on index cards. But I don't know how that started. Okay, so I will tell you how it started. Jeff is a collector of inspirational reading. Like he he doesn't read it often, but like he collects it or if there's an article that he's like, "Oh, that could be really neat to learn about." He'll print it out and and it goes on his nightstand and then it kind of sits there, but he's got all this really inspirational stuff. And you had read and I, we still don't know where, so we don't know who to credit for this amazing life change, but you read something and it was when we lived in the townhouse. Actually, we didn't live together. We were dating. And um, you were like, hey, would you want to write down one thing a day we're grateful for? Would you want to start doing that? And I was like, okay. Like, I didn't think twice about it. And then I came downstairs the next day and there you would put a blank stack of note cards. And you, because at the time you were getting up earlier than I was by like five hours. Yeah. And that's when you had a normal job. <laughs> I had a normal job and Jeff had a radio job. Womp, womp. Um, and you'd written down one thing you were grateful for. And it just so I was like, Oh, my gosh, that's so cool. That makes me feel so good. And then I started doing it. And then it just became this thing. And we have a stack of note cards. I have the note cards somewhere in a box somewhere. But so it was from an article that I read. And we've done it for the most part every day since then. Yeah, so probably five years. And uh, it started out, so we, I remember seeing the stack of note cards. We have the giant stack of note cards. And then uh, it, I mean, we'll talk about this in a, in a second, but I mean, it really is transformative. Like, until you do it, it's hard to understand how amazing daily gratitude is. But we've done it every day since the note cards. And then when we got married in 2016, we gave all of our wedding guests gratitude journals that we had made and when we talked about it on the radio when i talked about it on the radio people who listened to the show were so excited about that and people that uh, follow you on instagram are so excited about them they were like we want one so we sold the like we only had like what 200 people at our wedding and we had to order like 500 of them or something yeah and we sold all the extra ones and donated the money to Bosley's Place. And then remember, we did a second, a reprint, yep. because we were so, still being asked about them. So we did a reprint, sold all of those, and threw that into the check for Bosley's Place. And then we did 2017 and 2018. Well, mainly you did. I, I stuffed envelopes, but you put together gratitude journals, and it's just a thing that we do. And now we use our own gratitude journal every day. Every single day. And it's so simple. I mean, you th- there's a good chance you already know how it works if if you're listening to this, but if you don't, you just write one sentence and it just starts with today I'm grateful for. And, and you can't overthink it. That's the trick. Some people are like, "Well, I have to think about it for a while," but you literally don't. Like the first thing in your eyesight, that can be it. And it's when you're having a bad day, I think the inclination I I I hear from people is like, well, I, I'm just having a really tough time right now, so I can't think of anything to be grateful for. That's when you go simple. Like yeah. when you don't have anything super significant to be grateful for, you go simple and just say, I'm thankful for the leftover Chinese food in my refrigerator that I can have for lunch today. 
I'm thankful for my car. If you don't have a car, I'm thankful that I live close to MARTA, public transportation. There's always something. And some days you do have to dig for it. You're like, I don't want to be grateful for anything. But then you do it. And then this little switch in your brain kind of flips. And you're like, huh, okay, so life might be stressful but i have chinese food in the fridge that's pretty cool and it could you could even go more basic than that and you can say today i'm grateful that i have shoes because somewhere in the world there's somebody who doesn't have shoes right i did clean water like i've done i'm glad i'm grateful we have you know food on the table or a roof over my head today or clothes on my back and it really puts it in perspective that also the problems that we that tend to you know encapsulate our life and seem so so huge like in the grand scheme of life and in the world they're really not that bad i'll bet i have that article that started the whole gratitude thing somewhere because when i find stuff like that i do keep it so i bet it's somewhere i could probably if uh, you find it we're gonna owe somebody a lot of credit because we've you've never even remembered where you found it where did i mean and now gratitude's everywhere so it's not like you can google it right and i and i mean it's all oh, gratitude's always been around but the the thought of writing something down every single day like there was a person who came up with that so whoever you are today i'm grateful for you coming up with that idea we got on a tangent on yesterday's podcast about only child things because my husband jeff i love him very much but jeff you are a major only child huge and make no apologies about it like i grew up as and i do have a half brother because that question comes up every single time I but you didn't a, grow up together no, so. no 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 but i grew up as the only child in my house and only child syndrome is real and i have it and i'm not I, and i'm not like i'm not not apologetic for it but it's just a thing and i have it it just happened so here i am and the world revolves around me so you you were talking on Instagram and said, Jeff asked on Instagram, okay, only children. What are your things that either people, how did you ask it? People might not know about only children or. I, I just asked fellow only children to share things that we understand that other people don't. Because you were blown away that I would go into my closet and play by myself. So weird. To the point where. I would feel a little bit dizzy from lack of oxygen. Like I would go in my closet for like two hours. And I in no way can relate to that because I had a sister that was two years younger. We were always together and I was never alone. So I have no idea. But I went through some of these responses and some of them like kind of made me laugh. And I'm wondering if you relate to them. All of them. Um, The one that was most heartbreaking to me because I didn't realize it until I read it. But... When you're an only child, if you get something like walkie-talkies for Christmas, there's nothing you can do with them until the day after Christmas when you can see your friends again. And I have a vivid memory of getting a set of walkie-talkies, and I remember they had a square orange thing on the tip of the antenna, and I remember going upstairs and putting one down the hall and turning it up really loud. And then I would go into my room and say stuff into it so I could hear it coming down the hall. And I just thought that was neat. That was me playing walkie-talkies by myself. Oh, I never would have... <laughs> That's a sad one. Yep. I, the one that I liked was... And tell me if there's any truth to this, because I haven't heard you say this. 
Um, I didn't know how to have disagreements or fights and move on from them until I went to college. No, I did not. I did not understand, and and it was well after college, I think. Because remember, I only had a roommate for one year, for two semesters. And he was super low-key. He was never there. Yeah. He pledged a fraternity, so I never really had to deal with him. But uh, So do you remember the first time that you got in an argument with an adult and you like didn't know how to handle it? Like, Do you remember that? No, but I remember the last time. It was like yesterday. It's still, <laughs> it's weird to me to think that like... You can argue with someone and then just have it be over. Yeah. And you get mad at me sometimes where you're like, okay, let it go. I do. I never even equated that to you being an only child. I will say to Jeff sometimes, like, Jeff, I got it. It's over. I understand what you're saying. Like, we were just fighting, like, last week or something, we were fighting about this podcast, and I was like, we can't do A and B until, or we can't do C and D until we finish A and B. And you're like, oh, you're right. Okay, well, let's do A and B. And I'm like, do you understand what I'm saying? (laughs) You're like, yes, let's do A and B. And I'm like, why do you want to do C and D if we haven't done A and B? And you're like, it's over. Let's do A and B. (laughs) And that's literally how our fights go. And... The other thing about what you just said is that's an only child thing. Like you feel like you have to do things in a very certain order and your order is the only order that you can do them in. Well, I don't know if that's an only child thing or that's just a control freak thing because (laughs) I wouldn't have had anybody to disrupt the order as a kid. You know what I mean? Right. So, yeah, I don't know if that's an only child thing. That just might be my controlling OCD-ness. Okay, now this one I know is true for you. I get sensory overload if I'm around people constantly. Yes. And it's different. It's not like if I go to something like a concert or like the state fair or something like that, doesn't really bother me. But if I am, like I'll be totally honest, the thought of spending six hours shooting the hooch with a group of people that I can't escape from gives me a little bit of anxiety. Does and, it? and by a little bit, I mean a lot. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. I would like, have, I, yeah, again, doesn't phase me. The thought of getting on a raft and spending six hours floating down and not being able to get off and get away from people if they bug me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so weird. And here's the other thing about Jeff that I don't know if you know or not is that Jeff was married to another only child. So, he didn't have anyone to call him out and say, hey, you're weird. This is weird. This yeah. is not normal. No. She totally fed into it. 100%. And we would enable each other. 1,000%. We'd like, what? Go shooting the hoop. Yeah. I have a very vivid memory of um, being at the uh, first apartment we shared and somebody knocked at the door and we both froze and looked at each other and thought to ourselves, what do we do? Because someone knocked on your door? Yeah, because normally our parents would answer it. Oh, my gosh, you guys. <laughs> True story. Um, Hashtag only child things. OCT. You down with OCT? Oh, my gosh. Uh, you talk to yourself more, a lot more. Uh, I don't think I do that, do I? Do I talk to myself? Yeah, you do sometimes, but I don't think that's like one that I've particularly noticed. But sometimes I'll be like, hey, what are you talking about? And you're like, oh, I'm just talking about it. I'm just figuring out like you like to do steps out loud. Um, We like to be alone because we're used to it. Yeah, I have no problem doing anything alone. Like including, I, do you know what I'm going to say? No. 
going on vacation by yourself, which is something that Jeff did the first six months we were dating, and he didn't invite me to go with him. He just, do you remember this? You just decided to take a trip to Atlantis by yourself. And I was like convinced that he was going there to meet another girl or something. And you're like, no, I'm just going to go hang out, probably go to the casino, lay on the beach. And I'm like, by yourself? And I remember calling a friend being like, should I be worried about this? Like, why is he choosing to go on vacation by himself? Like, what a weirdo. Well, I think, number one, I don't think you had the time off. And number two, I enjoyed that. Well, this is funny. I enjoyed that because I don't have any problem being alone. But I didn't enjoy it because there was no escape. Like, I, re- I went to the, to the Atlantis and the Bahamas, and it w- it's not like a cheap flight home. Hmm. And I, yeah, no, I don't know. Any others? Yeah. um, The guilt we feel for doing anything other than what our parents really want us to do. Um, I never really felt that, but I think the reason I didn't feel it is because I was in a unique situation. My mom got really sick when I was about 12, and that kind of was the storyline for from age 12 until moving out of the house. So I never had pressure to do something super specific, but I do remember that at the time that she got sick, she was um, applying for jobs at Syracuse university because if you work there for X number of years, your kid could go there at 80% off tuition or some Mm -hmm. great discount. And so, so her plan was to get a job there and work there for five years, and then I would go there. And I am aware that if that happened, I would feel tremendous. I would have gone there just like, because it, you feel I, like your your mom sacrificed or yes. your parents wanted you. But I think that translates to other things too. Like you definitely, when we're with your parents, are always about pleasing them and doing what they want to do and not taking them out of their comfort zone. Like you're very aware of your parents. Like I'm not aware of like, Oh, my parents wouldn't like this or wouldn't. But but I think that's just, I'm thoughtful and kind and you're not. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So I think that's what that is. Oh my gosh. No, but you don't think that's a part of it. I don't know. Maybe. When you've never experienced sibling conflict, it makes other relational conflict hard to navigate. Ah, terrible. It's the worst. Any kind of relationship conflict. Like, what do you... I don't know how to do it. I don't I don't know how to... I, like, with friends, with nobody, me? Nobody. For a long time, I didn't know how to ask for help. Like, I didn't know you're how to... You're still working on that, but you're yeah. getting better. But, like, I didn't know that you could say to somebody, hey, will you take this off my plate? You and I had that problem for the first couple years of our relationship. Where I would just do everything and you would have to almost insist like, hey, I can clean the kitchen. Didn't your therapist say at one point you have to let her help you like she wants to help you because she loves you like you have to let her help you. Yes. And like it's okay to let people help you like she loves you and she wants to help you. And I remember you coming home and being like, I didn't even know what to do with that. Like I didn't even realize (laughs) that was a thing. I just didn't know. I think you should take, for tomorrow's podcast, I think you should take everything you've learned about being in a relationship with only child Jeff 
Yes. And you should come up with like the three rules. If if you're a person listening to this in a relationship with an only child, you should come up with like the list of three things you need to know before it goes much further. Got it. Because I am aware that I am a unicorn. Like I am a rare breed. So I think you should uh, try to help anybody out who's in the same situation as you. And you mean by helping, you mean don't say run away, right? No. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. Thank you for listening to The Upside Podcast with Callie and Jeff. Please make sure you subscribed so you never miss an episode of The Upside. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Upside. Tomorrow, we still have no Jeff because he's still going to be in Florida, but we do have another great show for you. We're going to be continue the only children conversation, and there's going to be a little game tomorrow that Jeff and I are going to play. And no, it's not an annoying, weird game. It's super fun. See you tomorrow. 